Thank you, Lord, for uh, just your presence here today. Lord, we so enjoy your presence. Father, we come here because of your presence, Lord. We love feeling your love. We love being inspired by you. We love hearing your word. Uh, Holy Spirit, we love how you minister to our hearts and you reveal Jesus to us. Thank you, Jesus, for that. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for your ministry to us. Thank you, Father, for all that you do. Lord, bless your word this morning. Give us personal revelation. Holy Spirit, I ask uh, to you just to reveal individually. Preach the sermon that you want to each person's heart and bring the revelation, the very practical wisdom that they need to walk in all that you have for them. Reveal Jesus this morning, Holy Spirit. Help me to get the right words out um, at the right times, Lord. I thank you, Father, for that. I pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. Okay, so we are in Matthew chapter 7, and we are going to read uh, the very end of this chapter. You can put your finger on verse 28, but to set it up, you remember Jesus has begun his ministry, he's uh, chosen his disciples, and then he preaches like his main sermon where he kind of lays out his values, lays out what the values of the Father are. And you see chapter 5, chapter 6, chapter 7. It's all about heart values of the Father, what the Father believes. It wasn't a line of you do this, you do this, you do this. It wasn't like Leviticus or Deuteronomy or or Numbers where he laid out, in this situation you need to take these five practical steps. This was all heart value things where he gets down to the heart that was revealed in Leviticus. If you look for it, you'll see the heart of the Father in the background, where Jesus just comes out here and just lays out the heart of the Father. So Jesus is declaring what God values. Jesus is declaring what God loves, what God likes. He lays out the heart value of it, not just the do's and the don'ts. Okay, And so you get to this verse as he has finished his sermon. And this is a pretty long sermon. Can you imagine sitting under this? So it's probably several hours of him talking, just slowly going through and talking and emphasizing all these points. And you get here to uh, verse 28 of chapter 7. And it says, When Jesus had finished saying these things, when he finished pouring out the heart of the Father, the crowds were amazed at his teaching. They were amazed because it was not normal to hear the heart values. It was always normal to hear the do's and the don'ts, not the heart values behind it. And so they were amazed at this because, verse 29, he taught as having authority and not as the teachers of the law. The teachers of the law or the scribes taught you what the word said and how you are to do what the word says. And Jesus taught as one having authority, as one with authority that taught you the heart values behind the word, this is who the Father is. Because it takes authority not just to tell you what the do and don't is, but to tell you the why behind. See, it takes authority. Anybody, any one of our ushers can point out the exits in here. Right? Any one of us can say there's an emergency exit here that goes out, there's an exit there, exit there, and there's one out this way that goes down a stairway that's a little dangerous, and then out the back door. Any usher can do that. 
But it takes authority to go in the midst of this situation. I'm telling you, ignore these two and go out those two. Because the heart of it is in the situation, what is the heart value? There's a difference there. So Jesus teaches with authority because he has the authority to bring it forth. This word authority in the Greek is number um, G1849. It's exousia. Exousia or exousia. And it means to uh, have the power to make a choice or the power to do something, to have access to dunamis. Dunamis is the Greek word for power, might. Dynamite, we get the word dynamite from dunamis, okay? So ekousia is the ability to have access to dunamis and be able to use it. That's what authority is. It's the ability, you like that? Okay, I've got to show off my guns. This is the only gun I own. <clears throat> but to uh, give out of that authority, to walk in it and pass it on out of that authority, be able to give it out. See, because I have authority here in this organization, I can supersede what the ushers are saying. Because what the ushers do are under and is submitted to me. I allow them and I give them freedom to run with what they think is best and I get experts to tell us. But in the moment, if I needed to, I could say, don't do that, do this instead. And they would do it because of the authority I have been delegated. So Jesus speaks because he knows the Father and he speaks out of authority. He brings it forth. Let me continue with this. Luke chapter 20. Beginning in verse 1, here's Jesus teaching again. And the, uh, not only have the crowds recognized the authority of Jesus, but all the teachers of the law, the Pharisees, those who have the religious, quote-unquote, authority in the area begin to recognize how Jesus is teaching. And they say to him, one day as Jesus was teaching, the people in the, the temple court, so he's there in the midst of where all of these other leaders are, and preaching the gospel, the good news, the chief priest... And the teachers of the law, together with the elders, this is the three-structure head of, 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 of leadership, okay? They're leaders, and they know how to uh, walk in uh, leadership of do and don't, but they don't have the Father, so they don't speak with authority. They speak only the authority of the do and the don't. Jesus comes in with a higher level and he comes in with the heart level. They tell you the exits are there, 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 and there. Use those exits. Jesus comes in and says, you know what? In this situation, use those exits. Because of this situation. The building is on fire back here and you don't want to run to where the fire is. The fire is coming from the furnace room below us. This section is no longer safe. Smoke, this building, is, this room is right above the fire. And this one is filling with the smoke from the furnace room going out and filling that area of the hallway. This is not safe. Don't do this. Go out that way. So I know have the heart where ushers, these guys, all they would do is... There's an exit, there's an exit, there's an exit, there's an exit. Please exit. Because the law says, use an exit. 
So they're there. All of these guys are there because they have forgotten the values. They have forgotten or not realized the heart of the Father so they've not been able to teach out of the heart. All they've had is the law and been able to define it. And they ask him in verse 2, tell us by what authority you are doing these things. Who gave you the right to speak the values which are greater than what we're doing? Who are you to contradict? Because, you know, situations happen like it's the Sabbath and Jesus sees the woman with the, I think it's uh, the guy with the shriveled hand or the woman with the shriveled hand and, or it might have been the woman with the uh, bent over back and Jesus heals her on the Sabbath or heals him on the Sabbath and they get mad. How dare you do work on the Sabbath? The law says don't do work on the Sabbath and you are healing on the Sabbath. In the same way the disciples are walking, it's the Sabbath day, they're walking, they're hungry, and they begin to break the heads of the wheat, grind them in their hands, and eat. And the, and the Pharisees there say, how dare they do that? They're working on the Sabbath. They're breaking the law. And Jesus says, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. Practically, these four exits are designed to save your life, you don't have to submit to the four exits if it's not going to save your life. So Jesus is bringing that. Jesus, they're saying to him, how dare you? Who do you think you are to counter us or to speak above us the values that are behind what we're saying? He replies, I'm going to ask you a question. Tell me, John's baptism, was it from heaven or from men? Jesus, I love him. They discussed it among themselves and said, you know, if we say it's from heaven, he'll say, well, then why didn't you believe me? But if we say it's from men, all these people are going to stone us because they see it as that John was a prophet. So they say to Jesus, we don't know where it was from. And so Jesus replies, then I'm not going to tell you where mine's from. <laughs> and he wasn't being rude and he wasn't being smart aleck. He's basically telling them, if you haven't figured out where your authority comes from, if you haven't seen God in the authority that you possess, then no matter what I say isn't going to make a difference. You would recognize my authority if you recognize the authority that is behind the law. But all you do is answer where the exits should be and you have lost the understanding of why the exits are even there. Authority is important. It's important for us to understand the authority. This is the same word, this exousia, exousia. It's the same word. We see it also in Matthew chapter 28, verse 18 and 19. It's in the Great Commission. Jesus said to them, All authority, all exousia, in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go. So therefore, I am sending you out in that authority. You are delegated out in that authority. There are verses also in the gospel where Jesus uh, sends out the twelve and he gives them exousia to heal the sick. So Jesus delegates his authority to us, his church, to carry out 
his mission and to bring the heart of the Father to the world around us. To walk in his authority. Do you remember when the prodigal son came back? The first thing the father did, you know, is put a robe on him, put the signet ring on his finger. He grabbed a ring. This is not real. And he put it back on his finger because that ring signified his authority as a member of the family. Now, the ring wasn't the authority. The ring simply signified the authority. He had the authority as a son, but he needed the ring to remind him whose he was and what authority he had. So Jesus gives us authority. We're sent out in authority. You have authority in Christ Jesus. You have authority in Christ Jesus. You want to come here for just a second? I didn't prep her this morning. I didn't tell her I was going to do this. No, it's nothing bad. <clears throat> so, she has a diamond ring on. Okay? This diamond ring I gave her when we were married about six or seven years. And I got it by, we bought a house and I put sweat equity into it and flipped it. Because before that, we were missionaries. And so she bought my ring and bought her ring when we were missionaries. Because I was poor. Okay? And I was like, I want to give her something that she wants that comes from my work, not from my support. I want, I want to work and have this. And so we bought a house. We flipped it. I put a lot of sweat equity into it. And we sold it. And when we did that, we took a portion of it and I bought her a diamond. Okay? <laughs> You're funny. Uh, so she wears this to signify we're married. And this ring cost me something, her husband. Okay? In the same way Jesus gives us a ring that signifies we are in covenant with him. We, he gives us his authority. And so wherever she goes... She's broadcasting to the world. She is in a covenant relationship with a human, with somebody else. In the same way, when we walk in the authority of Jesus, we broadcast, I'm in covenant relationship with Jesus. If I don't walk in authority, then I'm, it's like when you take your ring off, you know, on all the TV shows, the guys take their ring off and they go into the bar and the girl goes, well, you're married, I can see the tan line. You know, we have a form of godliness, but we don't have the authority that we're walking in because we've taken it off for one reason or another. The authority we possess in Christ Jesus. So we have a joint bank account. I'm going to go a little bit longer. I know you just get to stand here. It look beautiful. So we have a joint bank account. My pay goes into that account. Her pay goes into that account. She has the authority because of that ring to go in, and if she wanted to, she could empty that account if she wanted to. Everything we own is joint assets. She could sell the house, basically, if she got me to sign a, a POA to give her, you know, her ability to sign my name as well. But basically, there's a ton of our stuff that she could sell 
or liquidate if she wanted to because she has authority. Do you get where I'm going here? What do you possess in Christ Jesus out of your covenant relation with him that you're sitting around waiting for him to still give you when it's yours? And why is he giving it to you? Because he trusts you. We're in relationship. We stay talking every day. We stay in relationship. We share hearts. I don't do things and then tell her about it six months later. Oh, by the way, I emptied our checking account and bought a house. Bought a what? Bought a boat. Bought a boat or bought a, a horse or bought a... I don't do that. We would talk and I would say, you know, I have a desire to buy a boat. And she would, and we would talk about it because it's ours. We're in a relationship. <laughs> Me and David. David, we just need that speedboat, bro. Come on. Whoo. Yeah. Okay, thank you. So you get my point. You have authority because of your relationship with Jesus Christ. He's given it to you. What is that authority? It comes from the blood of Jesus. The blood of Jesus is sufficient. There isn't a secondary thing that needs to happen. You've been married. You've walked through a marriage ceremony. It's official. Your name is on the marriage license. It's done. Nothing more needs to happen. It's done. Now, I can either believe that and walk in that, or I can be unfaithful and struggle and not know because of my insecurities or whatever. But it's done. Another one uh, thing that we have authority in is the power of the name of Jesus. The name of Jesus is super powerful. And we speak it as one who knows him. It's not a talisman. Do you remember the, the sons of, I think it's Sceva, who tried to cast out the seven sons of Sceva, Sceva, who tried to cast out the devil in the book of Acts, and the devil says to them, uh, Jesus I know and Paul I know, but who are you? Basically, they were trying to do it out of just using a talisman in the name of Jesus who Paul preaches. We, it's about knowing. It's about that relationship. The authority comes from knowing the name of Jesus. You know, in the uh, Old Testament, one of the Ten Commandments is do not uh, bear the name of the Lord thy God in vain. Don't take up the name of the Lord. Don't take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. And it means to bear upon yourself. The Hebrew word does to take on and to carry, to put on like a garment or to put on like a wedding ring, to take on the name of the Lord in vain. And that means basically don't be married but don't, and not act like it. And so when we have the name of Jesus, we are taking on and bearing the name of Jesus and we walk in the authority of possessing that name. Authority comes from knowing this, and then the building of your confidence in your real relationship with Jesus. Over time, you walk in greater and greater authority as you gain confidence in your real relationship with Jesus. Authority does not come from religiosity. Just ask the Pharisees and the Sadducees. They had no real authority. They had only forced authority, which isn't real. It only lasts as long as you can intimidate. Jesus didn't give us that, and he doesn't have that authority over us. 
He has the authority that comes from a, a fellowship, a love relationship. A un- coming together and a unifying together in relationship. You have this authority. How do you lose it? How do you lose your authority? So I'm always a backtold. I was born a backtold. I'll always be a backtold. Unless I go into the thing and legally change my name. I know my, my wife's name was changed when we were married. And she took on my name. And as long as I live and she doesn't remarry, she will be a backtold. We're, we're marked. And no matter what I do, I'm still my father's son. Even if I was the black sheep of the family and the one not loved, I still would be my father's son. And legally, I inherit from him regardless, DNA at least. So you lose your authority when you give in to the lie of the enemy. And the enemy comes in and he tells you to surrender it. You can't handle it well. You're not good at this. You get overwhelmed and you surrender it. You surrender the authority. I'm sure you've heard of lame duck presidencies or lame duck periods in a a, uh, leadership. In the same way, I was one time, uh, the senior pastor had left and uh, I was the youth pastor and uh, there were other pastors and uh, the senior pastor chose me to lead the church the six months while he was gone and I led it for one month and uh, got attacked and got overwhelmed and was accused by one of the other pastors of doing all kinds of stuff just to promote my own name and because the Holy Spirit began to move what was happening in the youth service began to happen in the adult service the Holy Spirit began to move and probably there was a little bit of that. I mean, usually there's, uh, if you look at any kind of criticism, there is a nugget in there that is true. And so he criticized me. He and his wife went after me. And I went, my, my choice was to go lame duck. And so the next five months, I basically did nothing. I maintained. I surrendered the authority that I had. Of course, I was 22 at the time. So we still do this at times. When the enemy comes in and overwhelms us and beats us up and attacks us, and instead of fighting and standing and trusting in the authority we have because we possess that ring, we give up and we're like, oh, yeah, you're right. Okay. 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 And we surrender the authority to the enemy. He's pretty good at this, by the way, so don't beat yourself up. If this is happening to you, just begin to recognize it and begin to make countermeasures and ask the Lord, help me to grow in this so I don't surrender the authority that you've given me, Jesus. Another way we lose our authority is when we actually submit it to the enemy like Adam did. Adam gave over. He was endowed with authority and he just simply gave it over to Satan because Satan offered him something that he thought was better than what God was offering. And when we do that, which we do at times, it's repenting, Lord, forgive me. First uh, John 1, 9, I come to your throne, I repent. I'm sorry for not valuing who you really are and what you did. I thank you that you forgive me. As the prodigal son, I come back and I say, Lord, 
I trust in your forgiveness. And the signet ring is on. Sometimes we lose it or we don't see it in the middle of an attack. And it's, it's an attack that's so strong on us that we lose and we forget who we are. The enemy comes in with all kinds of stuff that just lies and discouragement and to dissuade you from believing and receiving who you are in Christ Jesus. The reports that are coming in are just constant. And it seems like everybody that has surrounded you right now is speaking not the Lord's, not the place from authority, but from the other place, the enemy's voice. And it's just bam, 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 bam. In the middle of attack, we have to have like a, a light bulb go off, a revelation of, oh, I'm under attack, I need to get with Jesus. And we get with Jesus and we get his eyes and then we begin to counter and begin to speak against the attack with the authority as a child of the Father. Now, I'm not saying there isn't sowing and reaping. Okay? And what I mean by that is Sometimes uh, we misunderstand our authority. For example, let's say our authority over, over finances. And uh, the Lord says, given it shall be given unto you. I'm, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to take care of you. And, we, and so the enemy comes in and he begins to lie to you and begin to discourage you and beat you up concerning your finances. You're always going to be poor. You'll never have breakthrough. You'll always have lots of debt. And he begins this stuff. And eventually you realize it and go, wow, that, that's a demonic thing that I'm agreeing with. And I'm not going to agree with that anymore. And you begin to take authority over it in the name of Jesus. Okay? But if I still have not worked in the habits where I am sowing into wealth... If I'm sowing into poverty, I'm still going to reap poverty until the action, the demonic's out of the way, but there's still a transformation of my mind and what I think and how I act that has to take place to bring me into the prosperity. For example, if I, every paycheck I get in, I spend $1,000 on lollipops, I need to understand I'm still just a big sucker. Okay? I know that's, that's really bad, but you get my point. If I haven't really gone to the Lord and realized that's a bad investment, you know, if I'm discouraged and hopeless all the time and all day long I watch the news, or I feel bad about myself and all day long as I search Pinterest and Facebook and Instagram, being reminded of what a failure I am, I can't, ex I can't blame that on the demonic and take authority over it. That is just my own sowing into foolishness when I am reaping pain from that. So there is, a, there is the taking care of the demonic, taking care of the authority, with authority, and then there is also stop sowing into what you're reaping. Okay? Sometimes we get into the, oh, it's, everything's a demonic, and um, I rebuke you, iPhone, I rebuke you, wallet, I re you know, and everything's a demonic, and it's not. Sometimes it's just our own... Weakness and foolishness, sowing into the wrong things. Okay? So Jesus, help us to sow wisely. So how do we use our authority? I think we use our authority in a few ways. Uh, we, of course, can fight the enemy. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, 
verse 1 through 5. Let me just read that for you. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 1 through 5. By the meekness and the gentleness of Christ, I'm going to appeal to you. By the meekness and gentleness of Christ. So you see, Christ walked out his authority in meekness and gentleness. So Paul's saying, in that same spirit of Christ, in the meekness and gentleness of Christ, I am talking to you. And then he talks to them probably from their letter. (laughs) He comments on their letter that they sent to him and said, wow, Paul sure is bold on letters, but he's awful timid when he gets here. So he comments on that. I, Paul, who am timid when face to face, but with you, bold when away. I love Paul. So I'm begging you that when I come to you, I don't have to be as bold as I expect towards you. For the weapons of our warfare are not of this world. When you're fighting demonic attack against you, when you're fighting situations, when you run into people and things just aren't the way they should be, you've got to take care of the demonic first before you work on that relationship. Stop fighting the people. Man, I hate that person. That person drives me up a wall. Well, there's probably a demonic thing that's pushing your buttons and possibly pushing their buttons. Take care of the demonic. Act like the ambassador of Christ that you are and then begin to reach that person as Christ would. So he says that in verse 5, we demolish arguments and every pretense that sets itself against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. You have the authority to do that. You don't have to sit there and be beat up by the enemy. You are not a victim. The enemy is not stronger than you. He may feel stronger. It may seem stronger, but he's not stronger than you. And he knows it. So he tries to just overwhelm you with a fire hose so you forget the authority that you have in Christ Jesus. You can say, in the name of Jesus, shut your mouth. I refuse to listen to that. I can remember when I was a young married. You know, when you're, when you're young, you, you do things because you, you're not wise. I mean, you gain wisdom generally through the years. And so as a young married, I remember I would have thoughts uh, just and frustration toward my wife. You know? And I'm sure she had the same toward me because it's just normal. You maybe have this toward a coworker, and you have these thoughts. And this whole big argument begins to build in your mind about why that other person is wrong. And how bad they are. And it just builds. Does it ever happen? Maybe. Am I the only one that ever has arguments in my head? Okay. Just making sure here. I began to wow. Church of this. This is truly a church of saints. Lord, thank you. And so I had to begin to go, you know what? I refuse to accept that accusation against my wife. You shut up in the name of Jesus. I'm not going to listen to you. If I have a problem with my wife, I'm going to talk to her about it, and we're going to deal with it and come to an understanding. I'm not going to receive and and listen to your garbage constantly. But it was a battle at first because I had opened a door and given a door to think, oh, yeah, 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 that's right. You know what I mean? This was a long time ago, long, long. So my, my point of that is, 
when those come in, you've got to take them captive. If you have thoughts about your money, take it captive. You know, I can't tithe because if I give to the Lord, I can't afford it. Well, begin to confess that stuff over you. Well, this is what the Lord says. You know, or I'm stuck in this dead-end job that isn't going to ever go anywhere. Well, stop, stop that. I am always alone and will always be alone. Stop that. Begin to confess what the Lord says over you. I cannot do your battle for you. I wish I could. I wish I had this magic wand that I could just wave over and, okay, you're fixed and you're fixed and you're fixed and I'm fixed and you're fixed and you're fixed and we'd all just be fixed. But it happens by hearing the Lord and saying, in my promised land is this city right here that belongs to me, but it's full of just lies right now and so it isn't mine. And Lord, I need to hear you how to attack this city. Do I walk around it and just begin to praise you for the victory? Do I come up directly against it? Because I'm not going to attack it until you give me the word to attack it. I don't go without you. Bring me into the victory of having this, Lord. And use the authority that you possess in Christ Jesus. Use that authority to get that breakthrough that the Lord has promised you. You have authority in individually. Like I just talked about. You're not a victim. You have authority in your life. You're a son of the living God. You're a daughter of the living God. You have authority in your life. Things do not have to affect you, send you off the rails, uh, overwhelm you, uh, drown you, take you off the deep end. Things do not have to do that. Situations do not have to do that. You are giving those situations and things power over. Now, I understand when you go through a traumatic situation, something traumatic happens, you're going to have to deal with that emotion. That's totally normal. That's okay. Go with it. Get people around you who will support you and carry you through. But in the long term, those things don't have to dictate who you are. That's where your authority is individually. Your authority is over your family. If you have children or grandchildren and they're not doing... I'm not talking about adults. I'm talking about people that are under your authority. It is your responsibility, your authority to walk in that covering for them. Now, they need to learn character, and you've got to be willing to teach them character. You've got to be willing to teach the values and not just lay down. You're not a dictator. Lay down the values. I understand when they're two years old, there is no lot of laying down of values, but you can lay down some, and you have to be a little bit of a dictator when they're two. But as they get older, it's a sharing of values as they grow. This is why we don't do this. I can remember when our kids were young, and I'll give you just a quick example. When our kids were young, um, it was real popular on Disney with all the witch shows. There were a bunch of witches, witches of Waverly Place, and witches this, and everybody was a warlock and a witch and all that kind of stuff. So uh, when we were on the mission field, we ran into actual witches, and had people slithering and uh, trying to bite. And uh, I mean, like witches, witches. Uh, the one girl that we really ministered to a lot, she woke up and her dead grandmother was floating over her, uh, speaking over her, transferring the witch power that the dead grandmother had just died and poured into her all of the, the witch curses. So, and she was, she struggled with this demonic stuff. So, uh, to me, it's uh, witchy. Witches are not sweet. And like the, I don't know, Hallmark has this. Uh, series, the, the Good Witch, you know, 
Oh, she's just sweet and nice, and she just uses her magic for really sweet stuff. It doesn't exist. I'm just too practical. It doesn't exist. Demonic is demonic. There is no good demonic. There is no such thing as a white witch. It doesn't work. If you're using demonic power to quote unquote do good, you're doing it for a very selfish reason. You are an angel of light. You are just as demonic as the one that's out there on Halloween. So we would say, you know, girls, we don't want you to watch this, and this is why. We've interacted with witches. We've had to cast devils out of them. We've seen them slither. We've seen them manipulate. And this isn't good. And so we're not going to have you watch it. When you get adult, if you want to read Harry Potter, you can. That's your choice. But for now, in our house, this is why. It isn't a hard line. It's a line with an explanation of the heart behind it. So you have authority in your family. I encourage you to use it. If your kids are being attacked, go in and lay hands on them at night. When they're asleep, go in and lay hands on them. Use the authority you have. Go lay hands on them and say, you know what? I declare this over my son. I declare this over my daughter. I pray this over them. Minister to them. I know when they're two and they're running around, you can't lay hands on them because you'd be like running around the house chasing them. I get it, you know. But once they go to bed, go in there and lay hands on them. Go pray for them. Teach them the things of the Lord. You have authority to some extent over your community. Again, we don't control people. Authority that we possess that Jesus has delegated to us never is to control someone else. Satan controls Jesus does not. Jesus wins the heart. So Jesus' authority always comes in meekness and in kindness. Gentleness. Galatians 6.1 says, If someone is caught in sin, you who are mature, restore them gently. Because that's what Jesus does to you. He doesn't come down with lightning. You're walking down the street, you screwed up, and, you're walking, and lightning strikes like right in front of you, and God says, next time. God doesn't do that. He goes, hey, was that really worth it? And you're like, no, no, it wasn't. He said, let me love you. Let me touch this area. I, I'm not ready. Okay, I'm going to be here, and I'm going to keep wanting to touch this area because you've got to get this area healed. And we can run, 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 run. And he'll just be like, I'm here. But still, we're going to get this area healed. We're going to get you free. We're going to get you out of this. That's the gentleness, long-suffering of the Father. It's his heart. It's who Jesus is. He has authority because he knows where the exit is. He knows how to get out of the burning building. He knows where the fire is. It's done in meekness. It's a service. Meekness is authority or power, strength, that is under control and submitted to a heart. Jesus is very meek with us. And we need to be meek in our authority. We don't give dictates. Okay, guys, this is the way it is. And if you don't want to do it, there's the door. Don't let the door hit you in the rear. You know? This is my church. Dang it. You're going to do what I say. No, that doesn't work. That's not Jesus. 
Now, there will be a point at the very end when all the world is over and we're all standing before him and we have no excuse. And he said, do you remember all those times I chased you with love and you rejected it? And you're like, yes, I do remember. Because you'll remember it all. I mean, you guys won't because you'll be believers. I'm talking about unbelievers. Yes, I remember that. And he said, I'm sorry. Depart from me. And you'll have to submit. It's not like you can stand there and refuse to go anywhere. You have to submit to his authority to leave, to go to judgment. You get that? He has authority. It's not like you can say, well, yeah, I ain't going on down. I'm not going down there. I'm going to stay right here. You can't make me. You know? He has authority. He's going to say it. This is what it is. And you're going to have to abide by it because you'll understand at that point that he is ultimately Lord. Every knee shall bow, every tongue confess. Okay? But his desire right now is really to win your heart and he works like crazy to win your heart. He's very meek. That is put below the heart right now of winning you. But he has that authority. See, authority is given us in Christ Jesus to set captives free, to liberate. Authority liberates, actually. And that's what Jesus desires. He desires us to liberate, to use our authority to liberate. I've told you the story before sometime in the last nine years. I'll tell it to you again. Uh, we had a young man by the name of Roma who had gotten saved, and he had been a drug addict. And it was, he had really cool testimonies how the Lord had saved him. He was a great guy. I wish I knew where he was now. I'd love to see him because I haven't seen him since probably 90, 98, 99. I think he moved back home where he was from. He was from like uh, Tashkent, Uzbekistan, one of the stands type areas that I remember. Uh, he was Russian, so he was white, but he had an accent of, of that area. So he spoke Russian with, like me, he spoke Russian with a weird accent. And so there was connection to this kid, Roma. And he had one instance where uh, he was working on construction and he got his hand caught in the crane and the crane was lifting and it picked him up three stories in the air before his hand came out and he dropped three stories and he only broke like one toe. And so he knew, because he, he was a believer and he cried out to Jesus, he knew the Lord was protecting him as he fell. So I mean, he had this type of miracle events in his life. You know, he'd landed on concrete and there he was, one toe broken. And so uh, we knew him for a while. You know, we, we did a lot of new believer discipleship and just loving on people and encouraging him. And one day he shows up at my apartment and I'm young and mar- unmarried. I'm still single. I don't think Jill and I had even met then. And he shows up, rings the doorbell, and he is higher than a kite. And he had had problems with uh, a drug addiction. Uh, it's pretty normal when you have no purpose and uh, there's no economic advancement in your area. There's no jobs. There's nowhere to go. What do you do? You drink or you do drugs. It's just kind of the sad part of life. And so he was totally high. And because he was high, he wasn't talking straight. And he was like weepy crying because he was condemned. And, and you know, just, what do I do? I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Pastor Matt. You know, I've screwed up. I've messed up. I don't, I don't know what to do. You know, Jesus hates me now. And, you know, all this kind of stuff. And I, and I in my youngness, was like, okay, all you got to do, let's just start with repenting. Just say you're sorry. You know, because I thought, well, I can't do anything. I can't do anything to this condemnation until I get him to repent. And so I spent, I don't know, 15, 20 minutes 
trying to talk him into repenting. Well, I don't know if you ever dealt with someone that's high or drunk. There's no logic, you know, you, you can't. And so I was like, Jesus, what do I do? You know, this young guy, 20-something, he's sitting here bawling, totally condemned, thinks he's going to hell, you know, because he screwed up this one time. What do I do, Lord? And Jesus says to me, take authority over it. And I'm like, what do you mean? He said, take authority over it. I've given you authority over it. So I said, in the name of Jesus, demonic spirit of condemnation, demonic spirit that is tormenting him and confusing him, in the name of Jesus, be gone. Instantly, his eyes piped open. He was no longer high. It was completely gone. And then he started crying and repenting. And I was like, dude, Jesus loves you. It's forgiven. Let's move on. But I had to understand the authority I had over him to serve and to set free. So if you've got people in your life that are, are struggles, they might need you to liberate them instead of just having a fight with them. And I don't mean in front of them because that doesn't work too well. I've tried that as a young believer. I rebuke you. Well, I rebuke you. Mm. Doesn't. No, I, that was 15. That was 15 years old. I don't recommend that. But taking time aside to seek the Lord and say, Lord, I pray for this person, this thing that's attacking them, in the name of Jesus, Lord, that they would be free. I bind any kind of demonic power that's attacking them. And you have to do this in love. If you're not doing it in love, then you're controlling, and that's witchcraft. Okay? And I personally, as your pastor, don't want you speaking any kind of witchcraft over me. If you disagree, I mean literally, if you disagree with what I'm doing or, or how I'm leading or whatever, please don't be praying that I see the light. Dear God, come and talk to me and have an adult conversation with me. And if I still disagree with you, understand that's okay. I will get before Jesus and Jesus will talk to me. And if Jesus doesn't talk to me, then maybe it's not. Either I'm deaf and dumb and you need to move somewhere else, or it's not Jesus' plan. It's just yours. And that's okay, guys. But please don't be doing the uh, what charismatic witchcraft is the only thing I can talk about it, is where you see something in somebody else, and so you just like, Lord, fix them, you know. And you're just speaking things over. It's not in love. It's in religious condemnation. I'm right. I'm spiritual. You're not spiritual. So I'm just going to fix you all up, brother. That ain't Jesus. It's not Jesus. It's not Jesus. I'll just give you a prophetic word. Well, the Lord says you need to get your act together. That's the heart of it. That ain't Jesus. And that's not the Holy Spirit. You may be picking up on stuff, but if you deliver it, not as the heart of Jesus, you are striking the rock as Moses struck. That ain't Jesus. Well, Jesus told them where they were going and what they were doing. Yeah, he did, but you ain't Jesus. You better make sure your heart is the same level as his is. You better make sure you're doing it out of meekness, kindness, and love. How do you know Jesus didn't love those Pharisees and weep over them? Oh, wait, he did. They're killing him, and he's on the cross saying, Father, forgive them, 
They don't know what they're doing. So your rudeness, my rudeness, I feel like I'm coming too hard on you guys. I don't mean to. Just trying to make a point. Rudeness is not an excuse to be spiritual. Do it in love. Love the person. Make sure you love the person if you're praying for them. Love them. And if you don't, man, get the authority of Jesus by, Lord, give me a heart for this person. Lord, I want to see this person as you see them. In their flaws. As you see me. You see me in my flaws. I ain't perfect. You love me in my flaws. So, Lord, let me see them how you see them. And then I'll pray for them. Lord, strengthen them. Strengthen them, Lord. Encourage them, Father. Give them the breakthrough they're looking for. Show them more of you, Lord Jesus. Help them, Father. That's the authority you have in Christ Jesus. And it's life-changing authority. The last thing I want to hit on before we close here is that Jesus has authority over me. Jesus has authority over you. He has authority over your past. So stop dragging it up and pretending like it has authority over Jesus. Talk to Jesus about it. Get his eyes, get his vision for it. Get what he thinks about it and get past it. Jesus has authority over your present. So make sure you're bringing your present to him and getting his thoughts about what's going on in the midst of this instead of saying, well, Jesus, you're not good enough or Jesus, you're not strong enough or man, this situation is just all horrible. Going to hell in a handbasket. I wouldn't be confessing that over your life, you know. But don't do that. Go to Jesus, get his present for you. And Jesus has your future. Many are the plans of a man's heart, but it's the Lord's way that comes through. So make sure you bring and invite Jesus into the authority of Jesus over your future. Remember, especially when you're 15, you know, like Jesus, my life, I give it to you, bro. Give it to you, Jesus. So I'm going to pray over you this morning, but I also want to give an opportunity. Uh, It's a little warm in here. Uh, But I want to give an opportunity for uh, you to be ministered to. I'm going to have Jill, David, Dennis, any any of our other uh, ministry team. We can have the other team be over here. That's normally Mary Mary Mays. Yeah, your team over here. And uh, I'm just going to open the altar, and we'll have them put on some, some worship music. And I'm going to open the altar. If you need uh, revelation about your authority, if you feel like you're not walking in your authority in the area, let us pray for you today and encourage you. And or if you are in the middle of an attack and you need just to, someone to stand with you and remind you and encourage and speak with you over anything that's attacking you or your marriage or your life or your finances or whatever, let us agree with you this morning. We'll be up here, and then Mary's team will just kind of just be up here on the altar uh, happily to agree with you and see the Lord's victory, that you are reminded of the signet ring that you possess through the blood of Jesus, through the name of Jesus. Amen? So I'm going to go ahead. If you turn music on, we're going to open the altar, and then otherwise we will see you. God bless you. You're welcome to get prayer, or we'll see you next week. Amen.